Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. Today's episode features Brother Thomas Gonzaga sharing the story of his vocation. To learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Hello and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I am not Ed Lugo. Uh, my name is Kevin Fenter. I am Father Paul's brother. And Kevin. you might you might uh, occasionally hear me on the podcast from time to time, uh, filling in for Ed when he is unavailable to these things. Um, but I am just here to uh, kind of give you a window into the life of the servants and a little about them. And joining me today, uh, if you haven't heard him already, inter- you know, interrupting me, is uh, is Brother Thomas. Brother Thomas, how are you doing today? Hey, Kevin. I'm doing well. That, um, we're in the midst of Holy Week. Yes, and, uh, it is Holy Week. It is a strange Holy Week these so days. So strange, so strange. But yeah, very blessed, doing well. Good, good. Uh, and today, we kind of want to delve into a little of your story. So um, just to get started, um, maybe we could talk a little about your uh, given name, and then we could talk about how we got to where you are now, Brother Thomas. Yeah, so this is my fifth year in the Servants of Christ Jesus, and I'm in uh, temporary vows, uh, which we take for three years and then renew for another six years. And I joined the community in 2015. uh, And after, uh, let's see, uh, two years of initial formation, I received, no, that's not true. After one year, after one year of initial formation, I received the name Brother Thomas Gonzaga, um, which God gave me through Father John. And uh, right now I'm in studies. So I study at the seminary, St. John Vianney. And I do for my apostolate, I do some ministry at University of Denver. So I give a you know weekly formation conference to some men in a household here on campus. And then I participate with Sunday supper, Sunday masses. I attend Brother Peter's Bible study. So I'm just around to you for my ministry. Very cool. And let's talk a little about your name. So um, obviously with the servants, the first name is apostolic. Second name Mm. is usually um, Ignatian or Society of Jesus related. Um, So Thomas is obviously doubting Thomas, but I don't think a lot of people know about Aloysius Gonzaga. So maybe just describe a little of who Aloysius Gonzaga was for for the listeners that are just unaware of his story. Sure. So I didn't know anything about Aloysius Gonzaga either until um, Father John said, well, I'm praying about this name, Gonzaga. (laughs) Why don't you pray about it as well? And so he had gotten me a biography, so I started reading it. And Aloysius is part of the 24 and, un- 24 and under uh, Saints Club, those who died before they were 24, like St. Therese. And I would say he is kind of similar to St. Therese in a couple of ways. Um, by the time he was seven, he was known to be in ecstasy and prayer, like in, in one corner of his house. And so he was very devout from an early age. His mother uh, dedicated him to Mary, Our Lady. And because of that, it seems that he had this natural uh, grace to be really given to the Lord in prayer. And St. Aloysius Gonzaga um, then entered the Society of Jesus, but it was a really long time before he could enter. He wanted to enter when he was young, maybe 14 or 15, uh, but it took a couple years, mostly because there was a lot of uh, uh, opposition from his father. And Uh, Aloysius was born into royalty, so his father wanted him to continue on the royal name, and so it just didn't make any sense for him to be 
uh, taking a vow of poverty and to give all that up. Uh, but Aloysius loved Jesus so much that he knew that he couldn't be uh, really fulfilled until he was doing God's will for him, which was to be a religious. And so Aloysius, um, in religious life, in the Society of Jesus, uh, was known for his austere penance and his radical obedience. And those are the two things that really marked him. And so I think Father John really gave me the name Aloysius for a couple of reasons, but one, to just have a role model to look to uh, for penance and obedience. And then um, Father John said, you know, Aloysius has a great innocent heart. And uh, I don't know, (laughs) I think I have a lot of areas to grow in innocence, but I think Father John saw something similar in me when I was first entering uh, that related to Aloysius. That's cool. And just the the echoing of Therese mm. with, um, you know, he, he wanted to enter really young and couldn't. Yes. Obviously, there were different <laughs> circumstances as to, to why each of them, you know, had those obstacles. But Therese also faced the obstacles of, what was she? She was like 13 or something. She yeah. wanted to join. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, just that, I mean, I see that in you, the purity of heart. I mean, mm. I think everyone that interacts with, with Brother Thomas <laughs> sees just the purity and the joy um, that just kind of shines through. Um, and and how, how do you, um, in terms of, do you like look to your, um, religious name, just kind of like asking for intercessors or like how, I guess, how does that play out on like a daily basis of like, Oh, like, mm. this wasn't my baptismal name, but this is the name I have now. And how right. do I kind of invoke these people that, um, I've kind of taken patronage after yes. more or less. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that. And I think it's unique because I didn't choose it. It was really given by God. And in the scriptures all the time when god has a new mission for someone he changes their name from like abram to abraham and saul to paul there's this real a uh, change of life a letting go of the old life and putting on the new man and so for me on a daily basis i should probably pray to my patrons more often uh i don't always do that i've read Aloysius' biography a couple times and uh, whenever i do it's very inspiring but i think um as a whole, what's been the most significant is that I've received this name Thomas and I've received this name Gonzaga from God, and therefore he must have a real reason why he gave them to me. And so it's kind of been a discovery of, okay, well, what about Thomas is God wanting me to see? And uh, yeah, we, we obviously know that Thomas is a doubter, um, which I am on many times, <laughs> but uh, Thomas also makes a great profession of faith um, in John 20. And Thomas has great access to the heart of Jesus. He has great access to intimacy with Jesus uh, by putting his hands into his side, into his into the Lord's hands, which uh, I really take as a call to be uh, myself drawn to the sacred heart of Jesus. And then uh, in John 11... Thomas also seems to be confident uh, to lay down his life for Jesus when he says to the other disciples, uh, let us also go that we may die with him. And he's talking about going to Jerusalem to raise Lazarus. But all the Pharisees and uh, the Jews are, you know, the angst is rising. And so it necessarily means that Jesus might be killed. Uh, So Thomas has a zeal. And so I need to also have a uh, zeal for martyrdom to die with the Lord. Um, not only in the great moments, but in the small everyday moments as well. That's very cool. And uh, speaking of discovery, kind of the the primary reason we're here today is we kind of want to discuss 
your uh, vocation story and mm-hmm. kind of your discovery of your vocation to uh, religious life and hopefully priesthood. I mean, that's what you're studying towards right now. Um, so why don't you like kind of take us back to you go childhood, where, wherever you want to start in the okay. story, but um, just like how, how, where did the, the process of discovery of this vocation begin and like where, how did it unfold you know, as the, as the years went on? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I would, I would, let's start in fourth grade. I was in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, and my dad and I went to this uh, parish mission. And afterwards, I was going with my dad to thank the priest. It was Father Larry Richards. And he looked down at me with like both severity and gentleness. And he said, you become a priest. And I was completely taken aback. Uh, No one had ever said to become a priest before to me directly. And so I was like, maybe he's right. Maybe I need to be a priest, you know. Uh, But that was kind of the first planting of the seed, as cliche as that, that phrase is. Um, it really gave me the idea of like, oh, maybe priesthood could be a thing that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Because that was like the, the very, very, very beginning. But nothing in me wanted to be a priest at that point. Right. And then he yelled at you, be a man. And then you're <laughs> like, what? What's happening? <laughs> Father Larry, I didn't read your book yet. Um, right. All right. So fourth grade, you kind of like, there's this little seed planted. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, where, where do we pick up the story next in terms sure. of, because I, like, I, I know with my own just of you know, real conversion story. Yeah, there's just kind of those like, there's not these, there's usually just like some like meh years of especially, <laughs> yeah, you know, being totally being like eight to, to 12. <laughs> it's just like, there's nothing really happening in your life unless you're like Therese or, you know, Gonzaga. Right, right. But yeah, yeah, no, and I'm neither, I'm neither of them. So uh, us wretched sinners, we're just kind <laughs> definitely, of just going along. Definitely had the meh years. And uh, yeah, let's, so in high school, I had a fantastic youth program. Hurricane Katrina moved my family to the woodlands. So I moved to St. Anthony of Padua, which you are a, um, also I'm an, I'm an alumnus (laughs) of the parish. And I'm so grateful for St. Anthony because they have such a zeal, um, for Jesus. And that zeal carries over into the life teen program as well. And so I was on a confirmation retreat and really encountered the Lord's love for me for the first time as a sophomore in high school. And I had a great cloud of witnesses, as they, as the letter to the Hebrews says, of um, other upperclassmen who were sold out for Jesus. That really inspired me. And so that was really the first time that I uh, encountered Jesus in a personal way uh, and desired to give my life to him. And so I think from there, there was this, this, this grace to just really give everything for the Lord and, and, not want to hold anything back. And so that was the foundation to which the Lord would eventually call me uh, to the priesthood. But like I said, uh, at that point, nothing in me wanted to be a priest because I desire for a family and I didn't think that being a priest could make me happy. Um, let's see. But I, I, I want yeah. to interject. So and I know like as a, as I think back to my, my young years and like the, the first, you know, youthful, conversion things did you like do any crazy things right after you know like you first encountered (laughs) jesus for the first time and they're like Uh, i'm gonna you know throw away all my cds that i didn't you know that are bad or (laughs) like was there any just like useful like movement towards like i'm gonna be holy and that then petered out soon after because that's always kind of i think that's kind of humorous yeah yeah uh i don't know if i had anything or you just more much more virtuous than i was no 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 (laughs) not like humorous humorously dramatic but i did start changing the people i hung out with and so i would start at the woodlands high school like joining 
um, a Christian Bible study in the mornings. And my friends that I hung out with at lunch were all Christians. And obviously the community at St. Anthony of Padua was a huge part of my story. Um, I would join now Sister Peter Thomas and Amy Mullen for like morning prayer in the summer before mass. And just, I would just do everything that the Catholic kids did, you know, um, to really help not let that seed that the Lord had been planted be taken away by the enemy. You know, the sower, the parable of the sower, so easy for that initial seed to be taken away. And so I just did whatever I could to try and protect that, even though I was still, yeah, a sinner in many ways. <laughs> as, as we all are, as we all are. But so we have the this conversion moment in yeah. high school, and yeah. then, you know, you graduate, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like every young person's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, there's like a pivot towards, okay, yeah. what am I going to do now? Because exactly. usually a lot of people, it's, I'm going to go to college nowadays it's coming more popular even just to take a gap year and just mm. like i'm gonna work and just figure out um just because the cost of school has gone up so much um but but what did that look like for you so you graduate high school and then what what does yeah. life look like after that because you know there's no real desire to pursue vocation at this point so it's not like you're going to seminary immediately right. so so what does that look like yeah great question so for me when i got to my senior year everyone was asking me like what are you gonna do next year what are you gonna do next year I just had this conversion a couple years earlier. And so I'm like, maybe I should go study at Franciscan because that's what all the really cool, zealous people do. Yes, um, that is, this is a fact. <laughs> let, it, let it be known. And so I'm like, maybe I should go study theology because I have this thirst for theology. There's also this you know, question of, am I called to the priesthood? But I didn't really want to uh, really <laughs> go tackle down that. Road. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Didn't know how to do that. And then, uh, but fine, also... Growing up, I had been a dancer, and so it was always my dream to one day dance professionally. And so all I did for my discernment my senior year of high school was just pray one decade of the rosary, because I didn't know how else to discern. I just said, Mary, I would like you to open the right doors and close the wrong doors. And God really saw that childlike and ignorant prayer and just really blessed it. And so I was performing in the Nutcracker my senior year, and I was backstage and uh, there was this moment where just like looking up at the stage lights, I was very consoled and the Holy Spirit fell upon me and I heard God say clearly, um, do not bury your talent. Uh, if you want to dance, you can. And so uh, I was overjoyed with that because I'm like, wow, God actually wants to fulfill like the basic desires of my heart and, and let me live my dream. And so senior year, I auditioned for some companies and I got a contract with a company in Fort Worth. And so after high school, once I graduated, I went to dance professionally for three years uh, in Dallas, Fort Worth. And uh, that was my yeah next step. And that's so cool that um, I, th- I think there's a lot of people, it's, it's like conversion stories in high school. It's like, well, I just have to throw away all the stuff I've been doing previously in my life and just like start completely new and nothing's mm. like God doesn't work that way. If you look no. at like St. Paul, you look at even Ignatius, like all of the saints throughout the year, it's like grace builds on nature mm. and God's not just going to like destroy your nature and then just start anew. It's like right. there's already these, you know, like gifts and talents and even things you've worked at for a really long time. And yeah. God wants to use those a lot of the time yes. um, rather than just like throw it away and then like i guess i'm just i feel like it's a very modern thing like i have to start a new i have to make mm. myself new mm. um even with you know converting i have to like become new all of a sudden and like right. make my make myself instead of let god letting god make me mm. anew so i just think yeah. that's very fascinating because i think for a lot of people that's that's foreign it's like oh no i gotta like completely change my life and uproot everything and not use anything i've used before but it's like 
you're called to be holy in the midst yes. of whatever you're doing at that point right now. Yeah. You know, like if you're a good dancer, dance. If you're a good basketball player, play basketball. If you're an accountant, like be a holy accountant. Yes. Like don't yes. just, you know, throw it all away. Right. Um, and like, I got to be a youth minister. I mean, some people are youth, are meant to be a youth minister, but like not every single person has to go to, you know, we don't want to just, you know, put, put Franciscan on blast, but just like <laughs> any other place that's considered like, Oh, this is where the holy people go. So they yeah. can learn how to be holy and then, you know, go change the, the marketplace there. So. I think that's very consoling to hear yeah. um, that God in your life used like essentially the groundwork that was already laid to like build there. And so how was that three years like spending in the, um, at the, at the company dancing? Like, mm -hmm. was that way more challenging than you were expecting? Mm -hmm. Like wh mm -hmm. where were like the, the areas of growth? Like how did the, that seed that was planted, like where, how did that start to blossom mm -hmm. in the midst of, you know, the dance company and stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, that was, that was a great point, Kevin. And I think, I started to notice this when people start to give their life to the Lord, they automatically think, Oh no, he's going to take away everything and it's going to be miserable. <laughs> right. And if God is asking you to give something up or it seems like he's taking something away, it's only to give a better gift. It's only to give something more um, that you didn't know would be better for you. And that I think that is really true in my life. But yeah, so God really blessed me and gave me this opportunity to dance. And the whole first year, it was the time of my life. Uh, it was just living my dream. I was getting paid to do what I loved. And so it was awesome. Uh, it was it was challenging in many ways because uh, the theater culture is, to use a phrase of John Paul II, the culture of death. And so there was definitely a battle uh, to be to be waged every single day uh, for my soul. Uh, praise God, I had a great group of Protestant brothers and sisters who kept me rooted in the Lord, and without them, I wouldn't be here today. And so they really helped me to, one, learn Scripture better, and two, uh, to remember that I'm glorifying God through my dance. I'm not dancing for my own sake. And so like you said, like if you're good at accounting, then glorify God by being a good accountant. And so that's what I tried to do was just try to witness to people in the company of the love of God and then uh, to do it for his glory. And let's see, when I was in high school, St. Anthony Padua went to Life Teen Camp in Georgia called Cove Crest. And it was always my desire to one day go back and serve as a summer missionary. And so the Lord gave me that opportunity uh, after, my, after my first year to go serve, no, no, sorry, after my second year, to go serve as a life team missionary. And that was the first time that I encountered the servants of Christ Jesus. Uh, and I was praying every day, a holy hour. I was praying liturgy of the hours. I was going to mass every day. And something was just awakening within me, a real hunger and thirst for more of God. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, I have to reopen this discernment question, right? I can't just bury this more. I need to bring it up to the Lord and see what he has to say about it. So that was how I started, I guess, asking the question again. So in the dance company, did you have like summer break? Cause I would just imagine mm. that was like a, well, when was like the busy time and like when was yes. the, the slow time? Cause I was like, when, when it's not like school, it's like, oh, the semester's over. Right. Now you can, you know, go do your summer thing, which right. who knows what that looks like this year, but that's you know, <laughs> here, neither here nor there. But like, yeah, was there, did, was that just like happenstance that you had a summer free and you could, or actually no. So we would have a contract for about, 38 to 40 weeks out of the year and it was like a school year so our busiest time was around december with the nutcracker we do like 
40 performances of that. And then we'd have other shows during the year, but we would actually be laid off in the summer. And so it was a perfect opportunity to go to Cove Crest. Yeah. Well, yeah, look how God provides. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Um, so we have this first real encounter with, um, I think, like di- kind of scheduled consistent mm-hmm. prayer mm-hmm. i mean you had you been you know praying consistently but like holy hour all that day and the, the seeds are planted. Yeah. So like when did you decide like hey i want to pursue maybe becoming a servant of Christ Jesus, or maybe religious yeah. life you know because yeah. you know you said priesthood was planted but you know <laughs> priesthood and religious life are two different things obviously yes um, they are. priests that are not religious so how how did that you know yeah. how did that discovery go come about remind me to talk about that again the difference if i don't uh, but I had no idea the difference. <laughs> uh, the Lord said priest, and he used that to bring me to religious life, but I had no idea even what religious life was. Uh, but anyway, so I'm at Cove Crest, and like I said, there's this desire to know, okay, what is my vocation? Lord, what are you inviting me to? What are you calling me to? And uh, at the end of the six weeks, there was a night of adoration, and we had all the teens in the main room with us, and there was a Eucharistic procession. And so the priest was bringing the monstrance around uh, with Jesus. And he was stopping in front of certain people. And I had this very pious sentiment, Lord, please stop in front of me so I can have, you know, a great moment of love with you. Uh, but the Lord had something better planned. He didn't stop in front of me. He stopped in front of a teen kneeling next to me. And the priest held the monstrance in front of her. And I heard the Lord say very clearly, I want you to bring Jesus to people like this priest is now. And I was like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? Is that, does that mean I'm supposed to be a priest? Uh, I don't want to do that. And, and, but it was the first time that I really heard God say something about the priesthood um, and very clearly. Uh, but it just left me terrified. <laughs> and so I left Covecrest. I'd already um, signed a contract to dance a third year. And so I left with two desires. One was my desire to keep dancing my career. And the other hand was my desire for a family, for a wife and for kids, which I thought would, you know, fulfill me and make me happy. Uh, and so that was the, that was the initial call, which really came from an encounter with the Lord in the Eucharist. And leading up to Cove Crest, I had been going to daily mass. And as I was at daily mass, uh, receiving Jesus on a daily basis, I was falling more in love with the Lord and falling more in love with the Eucharist. And so I think those are the uh, the other real graces that God was giving me to open my heart to him. Right, and so how how did the, the process of, you know, becoming a servant of Christ Jesus come about? So you have this, you know, okay, kind of, God's really like hammering down on the call to priesthood, but uh-huh. um, how did you decide, or how did the Lord reveal, like, hey, the servants is the route I want you to take? Or uh-huh. was it just kind of flowing about, like, hey, you found it. Ta-da. Right. <laughs> no. That's <laughs> how I feel most No, of the time. it was definitely not that easy. Um, yeah, so when I left Cove Crest, there was a lot of, you know, angst in my heart. And through, actually, a novena to St. Therese and other signs, like, God was just relentless in giving me sign after sign that this is, in fact, his will. And that really was his voice. And this really is his call. So there were plenty of signs. And so then it was a matter of me really surrendering my own desires for his. But like I said, I met the servants at Covecrest. And it was the first time that I authentically thought, okay, God, if priesthood couldn't look like that, I'm willing to give it a try. 
because they were holy, they were generous. I loved hearing the founding of the community, the story Father John told the the founding of the community. I'm like, who is this? Like a Mother Teresa. Just it seemed very anointed to me. And so I ended up visiting the community in February of 2015 after my summer of meeting them that past July. But I got back from the visit, which was very consoling, by the way, and God gave me more signs and more consolation. But I got back, and as soon as I got back, the dance company gave me a promotion, which would have doubled my roles, doubled my salary, like it was the, another fulfillment of the dream, you know? And I thought to myself, God, what the heck are you doing? I thought you wanted me to leave. I thought you were calling me to go, and now you just gave me this promotion. And... God said very clearly, I'll bless either decision, whether you decide to stay or whether you desire to go. And like you were saying earlier, God's not just taking this thing away from me. And so I had two weeks to decide. And every day I went back and forth. I'm going to go. I'm going to stay. I'm going to go. I'm going to stay. And so finally, on the Sunday before I had to tell them on Monday my decision, I was at Mass. And I'm like, okay, I feel confident that I'm supposed to leave. And then I walked outside and I saw this uh, family friend, a mother, and she was like, are you sure you're supposed to go? And like just those simple words uh, made me doubt all over again. (laughs) And so I went back in the afternoon to pray a holy hour and I sat down and I said, God, I'm not going anywhere until you tell me (laughs) what your will is. Because even though you told me you were going to bless me with whatever decision, I know that you have a preference. And so I sat there in silence for about 10 minutes and it felt like an hour but it was it's only 10 minutes and uh i heard the lord say to me matthew 19 matthew 19 so i had no idea what matthew 19 was at the time but i so i opened my bible i started reading and it begins with the jews questioning jesus about divorce and jesus says at the end that there are some who for the sake of the kingdom have renounced marriage and that those who can accept this should so that was like one stab to my heart i'm like okay there's another sign I kept reading, and uh, Jesus invites the children to come to him. He says, don't hinder them. And that reminded me of St. Therese's childlike simplicity and Therese's uh, powerful intercession in answering a novena prayer of mine earlier that October. So that stood out to me. Then is the parable of the rich young man. And Jesus says to the rich young man, if you wish to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. And I read the rich young man. And I thought to myself, well, I don't want to be sad because the rich young man goes away sad. And if, Lord, you are inviting me, then I want to respond to that. I want to respond to you. But initially, but what arose within me was just, again, fear, really a fear of what the Lord was demanding to let go of. And I said to him, Jesus, you're asking me to give up everything. You're asking me to give up my career, my desire for a family, my biological family. You're giving, I'm giving up everything, all the friends that I know, everything that's comfortable. What are you going to do for me? <laughs> Very demanding of me. Uh, and I had paused like halfway through the end of Matthew 19. And so Jesus says, why don't you keep reading? And so right where I had paused. So nice of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right where I had paused, I started reading again. And the very next verse, Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, we have given up father, mother, job, house, everything for you. What are you going to do for us? (laughs) Um, And Jesus looks at him and says, those who have given up father, mother, house, job, everything will be blessed a hundredfold now and in eternity. 
And I was so struck because I was like, exactly that what was in my heart. What are you going to do for me, Lord? And so I closed my Bible and I said, well, you didn't say to leave her to go, but if that wasn't clear enough, then I don't know what was. And so I went in the next day on Monday and I told the dance company, uh, so this might sound weird, but <laughs> you know, I, I like my faith. I feel like God is calling me to be a Catholic priest. Uh, so I'm going to be turning down your offer for promotion. And there's like tears in my eyes. They're shocked, you know, uh, but I walk away. And the first thing I hear the Holy Spirit say is you're free. You're free. And I didn't feel free. You know, I just <laughs> felt like I had given up everything. It was really tough. But uh, yeah, from that, there was just a freedom to really go wherever God was calling me, uh, which you can never regret doing. So Right. Yeah. And uh, I think there's something beautiful, like faith is, is costly. Mm. Like it's it's going to cost us something like mm. it's going to cost you a prom- like it may cost you a promotion at your job, may cost you, you know, like the esteem of your colleagues xyz yeah. um but as you as you're saying like the reward is so much greater mm-hmm. um and god is way more faithful than we ever are um, yes. to ourselves or our bosses will be or the companies will be like these are all things that will fail us eventually because they're all right. you know human beings or you know owned or operated by human beings but uh but like god will never fail us and god is always you know is always there so um as you've you know now been with the servants for five years and um it's like the sermon process is still going on as you said you're like you're in temporary vows so mm-hmm. um what is what is your like uh one kind of piece of advice or maybe you have a few for mm-hmm. people that are um maybe discern it could be any any type of discernment mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like religious life yeah. maybe it's like i feel like i should change careers and i feel like i'm stifled right now or relationship or this or that so like um, since you've kind of gone through the discernment process, what, what is something you would kind of give someone as a piece of advice since you've gone through it yourself? Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, there's a lot that could be said. Uh, what comes to mind right now is really the importance of prayer, uh, and letting your relationship with Christ be the springboard for anything that he's calling you to do. Um, Jesus doesn't want you to do certain things for him before uh, you belong to him. Uh, Jesus wants you first. And so um, with any discernment, but specifically with a vocation, uh, it has to come as a fruit of prayer. And so I would say you have to be praying on a daily basis, um, probably at least, you know, 20 minutes and hopefully like with the word of God, with the scriptures, which are such a beautiful way in which God can speak to us. Um, uh, and it has to be remembered that like a vocation, it comes from the Latin vocare, which means to call. And so a vocation isn't something that I am figuring out, that I'm mustering, that I'm like, I must decide this and I must, you know, see what it is. But it's something that has to be received. It's a call. It's an invitation. Um, and so we must, with Mary, be receptive. Um, that Mary was, you know, being faithful to God. And through that faithfulness is when God showed up and gave her this call. And she was so open to receive it that literally the word became flesh within her. Right. But Mary wasn't grasping. Mary wasn't trying to do it all on her own. And so I was reading something for seminary. Of Edith Stein talks about the vocation being something deep, 
deep within us um, that is planted there by God because it's a calling. And the way that we come to know that deep within us is by silent contemplative prayer. And so I would encourage anyone discerning to really let the emphasis be on a relationship with Jesus. Let the relationship be the means by which he one day shows me, um, but not to be demanding of the Lord, just to be with Mary and receptive, um, ready to receive it whenever God wants to reveal it. And that's really interesting you bring it up, Edith Stein, because she grew up Jewish, became an mm. atheist, and yes. then had this like crazy conversion, then became like a, was it a Carmelite nun? Yes. I, I've, a Carmelite nun who then dies in a concentration camp. Yes. So like, Yes, the vocation, like that vocation was rooted deep. Like if you looked right. at Edith Stein from her birth, you wouldn't be like, this is going to be a Catholic saint. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. But like God, God rides straight with crooked lines and God, mm. you know, can um, like the, the things that are planted deep within us, like we don't even realize until, you know, they've, they've, you know, taken root and then are flowering and are bearing, you know, tenfold, twentyfold, hundredfold fruit, mm. like we see with with Edith Stein. So, so praise God for for the saints. Um, and thank you so much for just sharing uh, your story and uh, your advice with us today. Um, and hopefully, as as people you know have a lot more free time on their hands than they previously had because yes. they're kind of stuck in place during this kind of weird time of. Um, of the coronavirus and all that, um, maybe they can take that into uh, consideration as just to like develop that routine of daily prayer. Yes. Um, not even just so they can make decisions about vo- vocation right. decisions no, of no. this, but just to like to root themselves in the Lord. So again, mm. thank you so much, brother Thomas. Um, thank you for your time. And, uh, if you want to find more information about the servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Thanks Kevin so much. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs>